welcome to the sixth installment of the Stay Frosty Park Run podcast. Yesterday, it was the 14th anniversary of the first ever park run at Bushy Park in the UK. Yesterday, 1,540 park run fans made the pilgrimage to Bushy Park, including park run founder Sir Paul Sinton Hewitt for the anniversary event. Well done to everyone who took part all over the world. There are now 5 million who are registered for park run and about 3.2 million of those who have actually taken part part in at least one parkrun event. I'm Emu and I'll be your host for the next 20 minutes or so whilst we pay tribute to 14 years of park running, including my featured parkrun of the week and I'll also be looking at ways to fuel your run and of course letting you know how we got on in our latest parkrun. Plus I have another small confession to make at the end of this podcast so stay tuned for that. First up, though, I want to tell you about a new page I've set up on Facebook. It's called the Stay Frosty Parkrun page, and you can find it by searching for those three words. I'll be putting images and comments up there during the week. Feel free to chip in with any comments of your own, share how you got on on your latest parkrun, tell us where you're going to be running this week, or tell us about your latest volunteering adventure. As always, you can also still send me an email to stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com If you'd like me to read out a story or give you a shout-out on the podcast, just let me know. I'd also really like to receive some nominations for my featured parkrun slot, so if you know of a parkrun which deserves a special mention, please just drop me an email. I want to offer a massive congratulations to the parkrun family, every person who was there at the very start, every person who has taken part since, and every single amazing volunteer who has made parkrun happen week in and week out. Parkrun started 14 years ago yesterday in Bushy Park, Teddington in the UK. From the original 13, Parkrun grew to 378 runners in 2006. In 2007, the number of events grew from the original one to seven different parkruns, including the first international parkrun in Zimbabwe. From there, the number of events has increased each year at home and abroad, with the first event popping up in Australia in 2011. 2013 saw the first introduction of the Junior 2K Parkrun event and was also the year that I did my first parkrun at Pool. Parkrun now has events in UK, Australia, Canada, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Ireland, Italy, Malaysia, Namibia, New Zealand, Norway, Poland, Russia, Singapore, South Africa, Swaziland, Sweden and in the USA. Yesterday I completed my 31st park run and Jay completed his 27th. From both of us, I want to say a very heartfelt thank you to everyone who has made park run happen over the years. If you haven't tried park run yet, I would say if, you, if it can bring you a fraction of the joy that it has brought Jay and I, it is well worth the effort of getting out of bed early on a Saturday morning. As my own small tribute to park run, this week I have chosen Bushy Park Run as my featured park run of the week. Jay and I haven't actually run at Bushy Park Run yet, but it's firmly on our list of park runs that we're going to do. As the original park run, Bushy Park is large enough to accommodate five kilometres with one lap. You start out on grass before moving on to footpaths, and then changing up onto grass again later on in the run. It's a very large, beautiful park, and you're likely to see deer there, as well as other wildlife. There are toilets about a minute's jog away uh, by the play area, and there's a cafe in the park where everyone tends to go for coffee afterwards. There's also a children's play area where you can entertain the young ones, and a pond with swans, geese, ducks and other birds and wildlife. 
There are about 60 volunteer roles available at Bushy Park Run, with uh, looking at the statistics about 45 to 55 usually being staffed each week. Um, in comparison to South Norwood, which I've uh, covered last week, there's quite a few more in the different roles, so I'm just going to cover a couple that I picked out that have extra roles. So there are five barcode scanners, uh, 14 finishing funnel managers, two lead bike roles, which is something I've not experienced before, so I'm looking forward to seeing what that's about. There are 18 marshals, six tail walkers, and there are also two VI guides. The maximum number of runners that have ever run at Bushy Park is 1,705 runners, and this was on the 10th anniversary in 2014. There's usually over 1,000 runners now at Bushy Park, again looking at the statistics online, but I've seen a few 900s recently as well, but it's a large park run, definitely. The number of runs as of yesterday was 755, and the first run was on the 2nd of October in 2004. The quickest ever mail time is 13 minutes and 48 seconds, run by Andrew Baddeley, and the quickest female time was 15 minutes and 58 seconds, run by Justina Heslop. The average run time for Bushy Park is 26 minutes and 53 seconds. That is Bushy Park Run in a nutshell. If you can think of any other details or any other personal things that you want to say about it, please let me know on the Facebook page or by emailing me at stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com and I'll add these into the next podcast. When it comes to running, everyone is always aiming to get that perfect run. I've mentioned this before, but it it's, hasn't happened very often for me, but it is something that I'm always aiming for. It's basically when you're running and you feel in total control throughout the run. It's kind of the feeling you get when you're running what you know is uh, slower than you're capable of running, and because of that, it it doesn't feel easy, but it feels controlled. It feels like you can control your breathing, you get a good rhythm with it. It feels like you've got plenty of energy to continue for long, probably longer than the five kilometres. It's certainly how I uh, completed my 10 kilometres not that long ago, was by running at a pace that I felt was easy and easily controlled whilst I was running. It's also good when you get to the end of your 5k, because if you feel like you continue, that also means you have enough energy to do a sprint finish, if that's something you're particularly interested in, if you want to overtake someone that's just been in front of you for quite a way. I say sprint finish, but I know that the park run is not technically a race, but whenever I input my statistics into Strava, I always note it down as a race, because I am always racing against my own best time. I do like to overtake people, it feels good to overtake people when you're coming into the finishing straight, but it is at the end of the day myself that I'm always racing. So control and rhythmic breathing, I would say this is something that comes with practice. So if you're um, if you're listening to music, I find this can distract you. I love listening to music, I find it very motivational, but recently, in the last couple of weeks or so, um, I've not had my music with me and actually in being able to hear my own breathing and the rate at which I'm breathing, getting into a rhythm with it uh, that goes with the rhythm of my steps is really, really helpful. I find that I can get to a point where I know I'm getting enough oxygen and I'm not pushing myself too hard. And then, like I say, I've got enough to give a little bit more at the end if I need to. If you normally run with music, I would say maybe try running without music just a couple of times to see if you can find that rhythm. Once you have that rhythm, it'd be easy to get into it even if you're running with your music. Energy that you need to complete a run comes from eating and drinking the right things in the lead up to your run, and that doesn't just mean immediately before your run. A lot of people find, and I find this as well, if I eat anything less than about an hour and a half, and I say, when I say anything I mean anything at all, like a banana or a snack, if I eat anything 
closer than an hour and a half to my run then I find that it does tend to give me a stitch and it makes it less comfortable for me to run a lot of people say if you're going to have a large meal have it at least two hours before your run this isn't always possible obviously if you're running early in the morning you don't want to be getting up at 5am to eat something to go for a run at 7am but having a light snack or something about two hours before or one and a half hours before is a good way to give you a little energy boost hydration is also very important you need to make sure that you've got enough water on board to complete your run for the 5k again uh, I get up in the morning I find a few sips of water is enough to tide me over and then I have water at the end of the run so I can rehydrate for the water that I've lost during the run for longer runs this is more important I think I believe the statistic was you need to be uh, drinking about 250 millilitres of water for about every hour that you're running. I find you can drink too much water though, especially whilst you're running, even if you're on a long run. If you drink too much, then you may find that it gives you a stitch. You have to bear in mind also hydration comes from foods. If you're eating a lot of fruit and vegetables, there's a lot of water in them, so you're going to get hydration from them as well. So take that into account when you're drinking before you go for a run. If I am going to eat just before I run, and I, when I say just before I mean at least an hour or an hour and a half before, I'll maybe have a banana or something small like a little oat bar or something like that just to give me a little boost of energy for my run. When I park run, I don't eat before I run. I will sometimes have a banana or something immediately after I've run. It's good to have a snack after you've run. So looking at what kind of foods are recommended, again I went to Runner's World website for this and they've got 15 foods that they actually recommend. So the first one on the top of the list is almonds. Unless you've got a nut allergy, this should be absolutely fine. Almonds contain a lot of vitamin E, which is a great antioxidant, and there aren't a lot of good sources of vitamin E, so that's why they picked out almonds in particular and not just nuts in general. Eggs for protein, obviously, and vitamin K for healthy bones is contained within the eggs. Sweet potatoes, so that's come up in several different websites that I've looked at. Um, not everyone likes sweet potatoes. Jay, my husband, certainly doesn't like them. I quite like them, but I do find them, as, as the name suggests, I find them very sweet, so I find I can't eat a lot of them. But they're a very good source of vitamin A, and they also have trace minerals, so manganese and copper, which is really good for muscle function. The next one is whole grain cereal with protein so this is great for breakfast obviously before you go for your run or immediately after your run as a snack whole grain cereal helps reduce cholesterol and reduces the risk of heart disease oranges another good one that's very good for vitamin c which can help reduce muscle soreness after a workout studies have shown they've got uh, canned black beans specifically on this list which are good for various things but i would say beans in general are very good mixed green salads as well and salmon so salmon is a good source of protein and omega-3 fats. Uh, whole grain bread, and this is specified as 100% whole grain, not just labelled whole grain, which may also contain refined grains, so check the packet for that one. Stir-fry vegetable mixes, so it's actually recommended frozen stir-fry vegetable mixes because that's apparently just as has just as many vitamins as the fresh ones, and of course because you can keep it in the freezer it keeps for a lot longer has a good mix of, generally the mixed stir-fry veg, has a good mix of antioxidants and vitamin C in it. So that's a particularly good one. Again, if you're struggling to keep these things or you're finding that vegetables going off before you get through them all, you can freeze them and then keep them like that. Whole grain pasta, chicken, very good for protein and fibre there. Uh, frozen mixed berries, again, this is one that I, I didn't really think of, but the frozen mixed berries contain as many nutrients as the fresh ones and you can keep them for that bit longer. That's actually something that I'm going to go out today and get because I didn't realise that frozen is just as good as fresh. 
dark chocolate, so everyone deserves a sweet treat, and dark chocolate in particular has antioxidants in it, which are very good for you. A little bit each day, it has to be set everything in moderation here, so don't go nuts on one particular thing. The last thing it recommends is actually live culture yoghurt. So it says specifies use plain yoghurt, because if you go for the ones with the flavours, they tend to have very high sugar and or fat contents. And if they don't have the fat contents, I've been reading recently about low fat or zero fat things, they tend to replace it with either sugar to increase the flavour or other chemicals to increase the flavour, which aren't doing you much better good than the full fat yoghurt. To add a bit of flavour to plain yoghurt, mix it with fruit, granola or nuts. And this is, like I say, much better than the uh, flavoured ones. Uh, live culture yoghurt is particularly good for protein and calcium. Other foods I picked out from other websites, and like I've mentioned before, my go-to is bananas, uh, chia seeds are very, very good, and avocados are also very good. So eating after running as well. So first things first, rehydrate. Uh, if you've run 5k, if you've run 2k, it doesn't matter. Just have a few sips of water and just keep doing that until you feel like you're not thirsty anymore. Your body processes food more effectively for about the thir first 30 minutes after exercise. I personally am not always hungry the first 30 minutes after exercise, but I think if you eat within an hour or so, then you're probably still doing better things. Your body is probably doing better things with that food than if you eat two or three hours later. Especially if you, if you don't eat immediately after a run, you probably find that your hunger builds up and then you eat more than you normally would a couple of hours later. Whereas if you have a snack immediately after your run, like a banana or a fruit bar or whatever you have, then you might find that it... it curtails your hunger for later on and you won't have such a large meal later on all right there's lots of things i could talk about to do with food but this is actually all the time i'm going to spend on food for now but if you've found any particular foods that you want to mention or you want me to mention in the next podcast because you found they're really good for energy and things like this please let me know by dropping a message to stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com or drop me a comment on the page on the facebook page so I'm going to look now at our park run from this weekend. So yesterday, Jay and I ran our home park run of South Norwood. It was a bit grey, it was a bit overcast. We knew that there was rain rolling in later in the day. We're just outside of London, so it was already starting to spit with rain by the time we got there. There were Yesterday there were 109 runners, and uh, Jay managed to equal his overall PB, which is the fastest he's ever run, and uh, the fastest one he ever run was actually at Dulwich. So it was a... We went out to Dulwich because we knew it was a faster run than South Norwood, and we both did a very quick PBs. I did 26.17, I believe, and I've not even come close to equaling that yet. But Jay managed to equal his yesterday in a time of 29 minutes and 42 seconds. He didn't run the whole thing, but he's getting quicker every single week. He was the 57th male to finish and the 72nd out of 109 overall. Because he had his... Uh, it was a very short walk, he said. He had a very short walk to recover before he finished. He had his sprint finish, and he was able to overtake a gentleman who was running about the same time as him. And uh, he had a bit of a, a battle with another lady as well, who was also running. I think she came in, I believe she was one second in front of him. She had a fantastic finish as well. I ran in a time of 27 minutes and 30 seconds yesterday, which is two seconds off my PB, And I, I'm, but I'm not too gutted, but I feel like maybe I could have pushed it and got those extra two seconds, but actually I'm happy that I'm still running around the 27.30 mark. I'm quite happy with that for the time being. I want to increase that pace, I want to inch it down towards the 27 minute mark, but 27.30 for me still feels very, very fast indeed. 
I was the ninth female overall, and I was 60th out of everybody. So 60th out of 109 and ninth female. I wore uh, long sleeves yesterday. As I say, it was a bit grey and a bit overcast, and it was spitting with rain. There was a slight breeze, which made it a bit cooler as well. I was glad I ran in long sleeves, because actually it was the first run that I've done since the weather started to get a bit cooler, that my hands were cold the whole way around. And I might actually look at investing in a cheap pair of gloves to wear, because I find that my fingers can get a little bit cold. It did rain shortly after, so we finished our run, and we knew that the rain was closing in, so we headed off quite quickly this time. But I'm just going to say a little note here to everyone. It doesn't take anything at all to just shove a waterproof jacket in the bottom of your bag. Jay was there in his t-shirt and shorts and I was there in a light fleece and we both got caught out by the rain because admittedly we went for our normal fry up and after having our fry up the rain was coming down quite heavily. So we, we both got completely drenched on the way home, which is fine because we're heading home. You could just change and have a shower and everything and you're fine. But I recommend shoving a waterproof in the bottom of your bag. Speaking of which, I believe it might be time for my confession at this point. So when we got home yesterday, uh, Jay had a nice surprise package in the post box. Now in my first podcast show, I said that I'd never run a marathon, and that's true. But I do like the idea of running a marathon, you know. It's it's, it's it's on my bucket list, it's one of those things that you have to do at least once. Now if there's a marathon you're going to run, and you already live in London, the London Marathon is an obvious choice. But so many people try to enter to run it every year now that they have to have a ballot in order to draw people who are going to run. So in May, Jay and I uh, entered the London Marathon ballot. We both knew it was very unlikely that we would get in, and uh, we entered it anyway. But they also have an option where you can enter, pay your entry fee, and if you don't get in, you go into a further ballot after the original ballot is drawn. And if you don't get a place out of that you then uh, receive a nice waterproof jacket, a running jacket from them, for the £39 that you've paid. We thought this sounded like a very good deal. We were quite happy to get a nice running jacket. So we entered and we paid our entry fee. Jay received his jacket yesterday. Now, I haven't received mine yet, and the chances are that there were so many people doing this that they just haven't posted it out yet, and I'll receive it this week. But I have to be honest, this has got me a little bit nervous. First of all, the jacket is really nice. It's got pockets, it's light, it's made for running, it's got lovely long sleeves to keep your hands warm. I am dead jealous of Jay's jacket and I really want to get myself one of them. I imagine it would cost me more than the uh, £39 entry fee if I were to get one anywhere else. But I'm, I don't know whether, what to plump for. I don't know whether to uh, wish for a place in the London Marathon, would be, which would be absolutely amazing or to not get in and get this jacket, which would be very useful now that the weather's starting to close in. I suppose I could hedge my bets and maybe hope that I get that don't get in this year and then have the uh, courage to enter next year and then get in next year, so that way I end up with a jacket and a place maybe next year if I'm lucky enough to get drawn. So that that's really my confession, is the fact that uh, Jay and I have both entered without any experience or long distance running experience really have entered the London Marathon. Jay has not got in and got his letter and magazine and lovely jacket yesterday. I've not yet got the jacket but I'm kind of hoping it turns up in the week because if it doesn't then Jay's going to continue doing park run and I'm sure he'll do very well and I'm going to train for a marathon that I've never done before so that should be very interesting indeed. Obviously if I do get in I'll record all my training progress, inverted commas, Uh, throughout the year. Either way, I will let you know next week whether I've received my jacket or whether I've received a scary letter saying that I'm going to be running in the London Marathon next year. 
Thank you very much for listening, Stay Frosty Park Runners. I hope you all have a fantastic week. Mm-hmm.